This program is a production of Restoring the Core, an initiative designed to assist those wishing to go deeper into classic Christianity with resources available in a connected age online at restoringthecore.com. This is Finding Hidden Treasure, episode 120. Recently, my wife Julie and I had a discussion concerning a question she got from one of her Bible study women. The women in the study have been reading Jen Wilkins' book, None Like Him, which has to do with attributes of God that he does not share with us. The discussion centers around the question that Julie was asked, Now that I know about these, what do I do with them? The following is Julie's and my discussion on this question. So I wanted to thank you for suggesting the Jen Wilkins book on the characteristics of God. I think it was her book called None Like Him. Right. And that has been a great exploration into the characteristics of God for my Tuesday Night Ladies Bible study. So one of the interesting things that happened that I was going to mention to you was as we're studying the unique characteristics of God, the fact that he's eternal, he's immutable, he's omnipresent. One of the ladies made a comment in one of our sessions, and that comment has really stuck with me, and I've just been mulling it over in my head. And one of the things that she said is that um, while she's always known that God is love, she doesn't really know what to do with all these other characteristics. So she's said she's going through these, and these are totally foreign to her. And as she was talking about this, she says, what do I do with this? What do I do with these other characteristics? And that comment has really, really stuck with me that she came to the Lord knowing that he was love. He has the characteristic of love. And that is characteristic that we share with God. But all these other unique characteristics that make him so much more multifaceted than maybe we think of. I started thinking about it, and one of the things that I shared in the group, I said, it's this is not exactly the same thing, but it's kind of like you move into a house and you meet your neighbor next door, and they seem like a nice person, and they're helping you out. They might bring over a you know casserole or something as you're moving in, but as you get to know them, you invite them over for dinner, and maybe you find that they're trustworthy, and maybe you find that they have some common interests with you. So at some point, you might give them maybe the key to your house if you're going on vacation so that they can water your plants. And as you get to know them, you're developing more of a relationship with them. It's a deeper relationship than you originally had with them. And I told the ladies, it's kind of like this. As we explore these characteristics of God, we come to know him in a much deeper, more personal way. And then the thing we think about with that is, what do we do with this knowledge about God and how do we process that in with what we think God is? It was just a real interesting area that we went through in this book that I was really not expecting. I think there are a few things to consider. One of them is biblical literacy. And I really suspect Jen Wilkin would be very pleased to hear that you got the reaction you did from the person in your Tuesday night study group, because I know a passion of hers and something I've, in a sense, borrowed from some of her writings on biblical literacy is how do you approach this? And the fact that you actually need this. I think it's one of those things where, and I like the analogy you use about having a neighbor relation and you know more and more about your neighbor as time goes by. And as we read through scripture, there are more and more attributes of God that we begin to understand. 
So I think that's one of them. It's a, it's a factor of time. It's a factor of learning, factor of relationship. Um, the one thing that I was thinking about is as we're reading through the Psalms, and, and we go through the Psalms every night and read Psalms as they're mirrored through the Book of Common Prayer. As you're reading them, I'm going, oh, this Psalm speaks to God's sovereignty, or this Psalm speaks to his omnipresence. And it's a real, it, it takes you to a level where you're more aware of these characteristics of God than maybe you would have been in the past. Absolutely. One of the things I appreciate about our doing the reading of the Psalms, and just to let those who are listening know, what we do is every night we will go through a set of readings based on the Book of Common Prayer, and we alternate months. On the even month, we'll do the evening readings. On the odd months, we'll do the morning reading, and we get through the entire Book of Psalms in two months as a result. One of the things that I think is also important to understand is that when people hear terms that they aren't familiar with, like omnipotence, which means all potence or all powerfulness, or um, omniscience, meaning all knowledge. One of the things is we're considering things such as omniscience, all-knowing, or omnipotence, all-power, is that I think there are people who, because they haven't heard of it, and maybe in the preaching and teaching they've heard, these are topics that don't get covered. It might seem that these things are perhaps theoretical or, in a sense, unimportant. One of the things I found very comforting is that Doctrines which seem to be the least, maybe for lack of a better term, practical, actually have a great value once you begin to reflect on it. That's one of the reasons I'm very big in my group and the writings I do, the podcast, is to talk about reflecting on Scripture, on understanding that there's a deeper level there as you read through these things, as you pray through them, as you think through them, you realize there is a great benefit to them, a great comfort in them. For example, with God's omnipresence or all presence everywhere, I think there's a great comfort knowing that there is no place you can go to escape the presence of God. There is no God empty place in all of creation. Dr. R.C. Sproul used to say that there are no maverick molecules running around the universe, by which he meant that there are no molecules that are not under the control of the Lord. And again, uh, the doctrine of his sovereignty. These things that you're talking about, Jen Wilkin brings up in her book, None Like Him, actually have a great value when we understand that there are implications to doctrine. These things just don't stand alone by themselves. For example, God's omniscience. Let's say that we get a troubling medical report. We know that this hasn't surprised the Lord, that when we read through other passages of Scripture, such as Psalm 23, which talks about God being our shepherd and that he walks with us through the valley of the shadow of death or deep darkness, that he already knows the end from the beginning. Your medical diagnosis didn't surprise him. He's allowing these things to happen for his purposes and I'll say ultimately for your growth as a believer. Where I want to go with this is that these doctrines have not only importance on their own, they have practical, if I can call it boots on the ground importance, that once we study them, we see that they're really a comfort and they aren't just some unnecessary add-on that somebody can put into a book of theology. As we learn more about the attributes of God, it's an additive thing, not a subtractive thing. You don't pit one of God's attributes against another. So that, let's say that your introduction to God has been with the attribute of love. 
when you learn more and more about his holiness, it's not as if holiness and love somehow square off against each other. Somehow God's love is a holy love. So all of these things are additive. They don't subtract from one another. I think that also in practical ways, it's going beyond, I'll say even American church culture in the way that we approach scripture. One of those ways happens to be with the way that we will view scripture. Often we'll hear things such as the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. It's like, okay, that's good up to a point. That's not a complete view of scripture though. Scripture is meant to be a revelation of who God is, specifically a revelation of who God is in Jesus Christ. There are commands that we are given in scripture. However, there are a lot of what are called indicatives or things that indicate things. For example, the very beginning of the scriptures, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There's no way that you can now take that and somehow obey Genesis 1.1. Where I think that there is a lacking is that when we take a look at these statements about who God is, and again, many of which dovetail with what you were talking about with the attributes of God, that they are meant to evoke in us things that we often don't think about in our church experience. And I think one of those is a sense of wonder that God, among the other things that he does desire of us, is that we understand his glory, that he deserves to truly be glorified, that he's also wanting to engender in us a sense of wonder about what he has done in his works in creation, what he's done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. You can see this in, I believe it's Psalm 46, where the psalmist writes, come and see the works of the Lord, see the devastations he's brought on the earth. He's, it's talking about, in this case, in this specific psalm, God's acting at a time of battle and his acting decisively to bring a battle to an end. But it's phrased in, come and see the works of the Lord. We're supposed to be in wonder of these things. As you're talking, this is funny because as you're talking, I'm watching a little baby fawn dart back and forth in the backyard from one end of the backyard to the other and he has gone back and forth about seven or eight times just this tiny tiny little baby just darting back and forth just having fun springing through the woods and when you're talking about the wonder of the lord it's like oh there it is right there and ties very well into psalm 42 that talks about as deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you Again, taking our relationship with God the next step further, and I want to go back to your neighbor analogy again, and that's something that requires time. It's not as if we can somehow download everything that the Lord wants us to know about him over time. This doesn't happen in human relationships. It doesn't happen in most of the enterprises that we work at at human beings. There are people who are, let's say doctors, people who've been doctors for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Hopefully, they're going to know a lot more about what it means to practice medicine than somebody who is just a resident starting out from medical school. So again, these things take time. As we grow in our knowledge of the Lord, we learn about his love first. It's the attribute that never fails. We learn about things such as holiness. We learn about the other attributes that you brought up earlier that are mentioned in Jen Wilkins' book. So it is a matter of growing in him. Uh, it's a matter of time. So what would you say the benefit of having, being a Christian that's maybe walking 30 years in the Lord versus a Christian that's maybe walked a year in the Lord? It goes to what I think is the very end of Second Peter, the book where Peter ends off his book by saying to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So somebody who has been walking with the Lord 30 years, hopefully, is someone who's been able to grow in two areas in terms of grace, which means, well, no, I'm going to take the knowledge part first, that you would know more about the Lord, what you know from Scripture, just from direct reading. And hopefully, those who are hearing this will take the opportunity to actually read through all of Scripture. It's available to us to be able to go from Genesis to Revelation to read verses and chapters in their context rather than just taking little snippets here and there and then once you realize the context of them it's like oh it's different from what i thought it was going to go so it's growing in knowledge growing in knowledge of scripture it's also growing in knowledge of grace because in 30 years someone let's say that 30-year christian can go up to somebody who's new in the faith and say look i've learned all these things they're true however i've not only learned about them i've experienced them let me tell you how the Lord came through, that the one who is the omniscient God who knew about my cancer diagnosis so many years ago guided me through it. And I was able to find comfort in knowing that the Lord God who's guiding is not surprised himself. It's not like he's groping for an answer along with you. That's what involves trust on our part mm. with God, that he knows these things. And he says, look, trust me. And again, try to imagine what it's like. Let's say a parent and a child. Take a child who's old enough to actually begin to understand things and actually talk in response back to these things. Try to imagine as a parent trying to describe what it's like fully to be an adult. You'd be using terms that this little child probably wouldn't even know. Try to explain the concepts of what it means to put in a hard day's work, what it means to sit up with your child through the night when they've had some sort of injury. Try to explain what it is for a husband and wife to have deep affection for each other, not only as friends, but also as lovers. Trying to describe some of these things would just be incorrect, but they'd be beyond the scope of, let's say, a three- or four-year-old trying to, trying to comprehend them. However, if the little child has a sense of trust, even if they don't understand what you're saying, they know that the source is trustworthy. So I think that's the nature of that 30-year-in-the-faith Christian, in a sense, putting his or her arm around someone else going, look, open up your Bible, read it. I did that myself. You grow in what you know about the Lord, and that is magnificent in itself. However, watching him work in your life is absolutely phenomenal. Does that mean that all of your experiences are going to be pleasant ones? Hardly. It's often been observed, and I think I can say it for myself as well, that once you become a believer, life doesn't become easier. In many ways, it becomes more difficult. A lot harder. A lot harder. Yet, it's the God who sees you through it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it at that for right now. Um, yeah. No, that totally makes sense. This has just been really encouraging to me that as the ladies in my Tuesday night study have just kind of grown deeper in this, that we can take each one of these characteristics and just meditate on them. And it, and it allows all of us to go deeper and learn a little bit more about the Lord that I, I think we get stuck in this thing that this is who the Lord is. And he is just so much more than all of that. And I think it gives a framework for reading the rest of Scripture. I had the privilege of being able to go to the Gospel Coalition Conference in Indianapolis a few months ago. One of the speakers was talking about the concept of biblical theology. Her point is, in order to truly understand who Christ is, it helps to have an understanding that references to him are present from Genesis to Revelation. 
And that as you begin to grow in that, you see the unity of all of these different authors. It's been estimated that there may be of upwards of 40 human authors who wrote down components of the Bible over about a 1,500-year period. And you get to see the unity of that, that all of these people separated over centuries, over differences in language or culture, are speaking about the same God, the same Christ, and speaking with a unity that would be impossible to be writing with in other areas of human knowledge. All these things centered on Christ, seeing him from Genesis to Revelation, so that as you have a deeper understanding of these doctrines, we can actually understand that when Adam and Eve are walking in the garden, Christ is walking with them. That when you find references to the angel of the Lord, this mysterious figure that's spoken about in the Old Testament, and as you dig deeper, as you reflect on these, you see, good heavens, this is speaking about Christ. When it talks about the angel of the Lord in the burning bush that Moses sees, the fire that does not consume the bush, and Moses is having this encounter with what appears to be fire in a bush, and it's the God who created all things, and it says it's the angel of the Lord. And as you go through more study, you realize this is Christ. When we study all these things, I think it gives us more and more of an appreciation for the Christ we find in Scripture. And we do this with every other human relationship. I don't know anyone who will tell someone who's a friend or a spouse, it's like, no, 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 you know enough about my background. Just be satisfied with what you know up to this point. Like, no, I mean, if, let's say you're talking to a friend from high school and your husband or wife says, oh, who's so-and-so? And you talk about some experiences you had. You get to know more about what makes your spouse tick, a little bit more about their history. It gives you a more full-orbed view of who they are. When we understand these doctrines that often aren't talked about or written about, it gives us a more full-orbed view of him. It doesn't take away from his glory. It doesn't take away from the love we have for him. I think it really adds to it. No, I totally agree. It was a great book study. Thanks for recommending that book. And it certainly gives us all a lot of food for thought as we move into the summer. You're quite welcome. I'm glad we had the opportunity to discuss this. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this program. We can be contacted at mail at restoringthecore.com. We're on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash restoringthecore. You can also follow us on Twitter at RestoreTheCore. Thank you for listening. We hope you will join us next time for Finding Hidden Treasure.